0: What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross-like music. And this is The Super Sunny Love Show.
1: I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Hello
0: and welcome along to this month's edition of the Music for Modern Living Radio show, right here on Blue and Green Radio. You're locked in with me, Nigel Gentry. Confessions
1: of a mind. <laughs> Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to
2: Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to
0: the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Brown. Twisted Soul with C.F. Smith.
1: You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say.
0: Blueandgreenradio.com. Hello, friends. Welcome. My name is Imran. You're listening to episode 24 of the Blue and Green podcast. Thanks very much for tuning in. Thanks very much for your company. much. Appreciated as always, uh, as you know, these podcasts, uh, these pod- this podcast series runs in conjunction with the online internet radio station. Uh, london-based uh, blue in green radio well london-based but with shows from all across the world from australia to japan to the states uh something we're incredibly proud of to have the most incredible array of uh presenters and djs and i uh, would love for you to check us out if you've yet to do so you can find us at www.blueingreenradio.com for uh articles reviews features um interviews as well as most importantly probably our (laughs) continual 24 7 seven days a week uh, radio stream with this incredible content celebrating this incredible amount of music that we're always lucky and fortunate enough to get our hands on which is very much what episode 24 of this podcast is about but before uh, we continue and discuss the current episode I have to give a very special uh, shout out and thank you to uh, our very own Mr V uh, Vahe the uh, creator of Confessions of a Curly Mind. Last Sunday, the 11th of August, we aired a 33, yes, a 33-hour uh, show celebrating the music of uh, Jay Diller, James Yancey, J.D., and uh, he, he it took him nine months to put this show together. And it's, uh, it's incredible. It's a masterpiece. I think I've said incredible quite a few times in this episode already. So I apologize. But uh, it was really good. And he uh, took nine months to put this together. And we aired it in its entirety. All 33 hours from last Sunday uh, night, uh, m- midnight, Saturday night, midnight, and it just ran till completion. We're now going to start serializing it on Fridays uh, from UK time 5pm, and it they, they go in six chunks from Friday. Please check the website as well. They repeated the following Thursday UK time mornings at like 6am as well so uh if you're if you're if you consider yourself a Diller fan these just really aren't things that you want to miss uh and so it was it's an absolute treasure trove of 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 tracks uh some a a huge amount i've never heard before and i consider myself a a a diehard fan as well i have no idea where he's unearthed this stuff but um that contribute contributes to the genius that is uh varhe so huge thanks to him uh for just this gorgeous uh piece of work that he put together um back to today's episode uh, of the podcast uh, episode 24 these uh, podcasts are released on the first second and third uh, Mondays of every month uh, we uh, you know we're a radio station that celebrates um, contemporary soul jazz funk latin and hip-hop music and uh, our guest on today's show is somebody that is a genuine embodiment of 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 those qualities and everything that we're trying to boast and praise and celebrate on this radio station and our uh, guest this week is Jesse Fisher and uh, it's an absolute uh, joy, it's an absolute pleasure and honour to have been able to share this time and uh, can put this episode together, it was such a great conversation which is kind of a dream come true for me, like I've been a fan of Jesse for a really long time he has an incredible body of work. He is a, uh, a keyboardist, a pianist, a producer, multi instrumentalist. Uh, he's a, a, an engineer. He's just any any kind of studio hat you could place on him. He he has it. He's a touring musician. He's a session musician. He's uh, a coach. He's a mentor. He's he's uh, his resume is as as flawless as it could possibly be. So. To have the opportunity to sit down uh, with him and to talk music and in, in the way that we have for this episode is well, it's really special to be honest. So I'm 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 really excited. I'm really grateful to him for taking the time, um, and uh, I'm really excited about. You guys hearing it, and uh, uh, um, and uh, you know, let us know what you think. As regular listeners uh, of these this podcast series, will know, we have uh, two songs that are played on these uh, these these shows each episode. Uh, our guest, in this case, Mr. Fisher, will be picking our closing number, but I and I have the luxury of picking the opening uh, track. And um, on one hand, it was I I would you know love to have trawled through. The catalog to find uh, the perfect uh, jesse fisher or soul cycle song to to play at this point however i think it's probably more apt to pick something from cross currents which is the brand new project and uh it's so good, and uh, it's a four-track EP, and we're going to play the opening track right now, which is called Inner Space, so uh, I hope you guys will enjoy this. After this track, we're going to go straight uh, into our conversation with Jesse. Once again, you can find us at uh, I Well, let's get straight to it. Jesse Fisher uh, from the Cross Currency EP. This is Inner Space. going very well thank you so much for taking the time this is such a this is such a pleasure i've been a fan for a crazy long time so actually getting to talk to you is, is a little surreal at the moment
1: wow. well thank you for having me it's a pleasure being on the show oh, thank you very much how um
0: it's it's just gone ten thirty in the morning for you uh is that that's right yep yeah just got to the studio now is this a bright and early start <laughs> or do you know you have a
1: alarm by now yeah, no, I'm I'm normally in by nine or ten in the morning. I work pretty pretty regular hours, nine to five or so.
0: Well, I guess we'll we'll start with cross currents, if I may. Um, congratulations on that fantastic EP, uh, which you you've just released. Uh, you must be thrilled with with how it's currently turned out.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm really happy with it. It was a process of about two two years recording on and off, wow. and um. Yeah, I'm really happy. I'm happy to be done with it. Of course, I've got a whole new album of material that I'm recording in two weeks. So I've basically been developing, I had been developing Flipped 2 and Cross Currents and this other album pretty much simultaneously for the last three years. So uh, yeah, so Flipped 2 came out last summer. Um, Originally, this Cross Currents EP was just the beginning of a larger album, but it turned out that the rest of that album kind of took a different direction, so I decided to release these four songs as its own EP, and then the album album will be coming out next. The full length will be coming out next year.
0: That's amazing. I, I think because Flip Two had come out almost just a uh, just like a uh, thirteen, I think months ago now. Um, I yeah. suppose that I, I thought the EP would have been compiled since then, and I thought, wow, you're obviously in a very creative space, I, I, I guess. But to have had three projects on the go all at once that's (laughs) that's incredible is it difficult to kind of have them all going at the same time do you know what what hat you're putting on for each project
1: um no it's it's not difficult I I um it just comes naturally the only difficulty is the money really because um depending on what I'm working on a lot of stuff costs money because um uh you know there's mainly the musician fees I, I like to make sure all the musicians that I'm Um, you know, that I'm featuring are compensated well. Um, There's photography, graphics, you know, the recording fees. I do a lot of the recording myself, so that saves some Mm -hmm. money. I'm a recording engineer and mixer myself, so. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I just love working on these projects, and I already have another two or three planned out after this next one, so um That's yeah. incredible. Wow. <laughs> it's just uh yeah right now it's it's just it costs money to make these projects and their investments in in the future you know
0: yeah so i mean focusing on cross currents just for a few more minutes for me um I, I think sort of looking at like uh, the sort of the project as a whole so you have i think minsk has a has a very pointed intro uh, uh to, to the song and then you have a song called inflection point so i guess there are sort of elements of 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 the EP which kind of point to it being a a project of protest I guess shall we say is that a fair assessment of it
1: yeah I think so um I mean I'm I'm kind of like a pretty much a shy understated guy so it, you might have to dig a little bit into the EP to figure out what's going on but um I mean a lot of this you know I've always been trying to find you know, use music as a way of expressing myself and my identity and my, my roots are Jewish, uh, you know, my, my grandparents and great grandparents were immigrants and, you know, came from a uh, not so nice situation in Europe. Um, and so it's always been informed with that, you know, with all the um, the music of, you know, black American culture that I've absorbed um, through formal education and informally just from playing in churches and playing in, you know, different kinds of bands. Um, and then also more recently getting to know a really good friend of mine, Yusine Bolares, who's a French Tunisian composer who I've been collaborating with on a different project and, uh, you know, just hearing his stories and, um, how, you know, how it's like growing up in Europe as a, as a, um, like a child of immigrant, actually he was born in Tunisia, but grew up in France. And so just hearing different stories, you know, my wife is an immigrant and, and, um, it's as, as especially as a musician in New York, pretty much everyone i come come into contact with has some different background either they came from a diff, you know came to the u s to work or came to the u s to move to live here or with their family um and so anyway this is a long winded way of saying that basically after trump was elected and and i mean it didn't start with him, but he sort of galvanized this really anti immigrant feeling yeah. and um, in this country, but also that there's this worldwide sort of everyone's hunkering down with their own identity and, and are not willing to accept outsiders and are afraid of outsiders. And the fear and distrust, I think, is really, really unhealthy to individually to us, you know, to our bodies. It manifests in physical ways and also to society and to the global um to our global society, right? We're one society now that's connected by the internet, connected by commerce, connected by migration patterns. So um, yeah, I think what's going on in the U.S. politically and throughout the world is really unhealthy for all of us. So, um, and it's just not right. So I think that's kind of where I was coming from. I wanted to approach it from the point of view of my own, you know, background being Jewish. And um, the song itself had some elements of Jewish music and some elements of, um, sort of like rock and reggae which is also used as protest music in Jamaica and um, I don't know it just kind of all came together and uh, I, I wanted to use some samples from some interviews and stuff that i had heard that I felt were trying to make a point that I would would want
0: to make i think you've always used them i think for uh the daydreamer album as well you had there's a song called nomads there's a uh it was like a two-minute song i know the english the translation of it was unity but was it Hin Matov? i'm sorry if i'm not pronouncing that correctly yeah but those kind of songs that call back to your your roots and your culture as well
1: yeah, you really did your research. Wow. <laughs> I'm a fan, so, yeah. a, so I really am. <laughs> yeah, the idea with, because even, even with D- Daydreamer was recorded in 2014, but I think it was yeah. already feeling like, okay, stuff is not right in the world. And um, yeah, the it's funny because I, I, I grew up, I am ethnically Jewish, right? But I didn't grow up in a religious setting. I didn't grow up going to synagogue. And so most of my religious experiences have been um, playing in Christian churches of, of different kinds. And so there's a there's a Christian setting. I mean, there's a lot of settings of those words, both in English and Hebrew and probably a zillion other languages. But um, so I, I got to know, um, that was like the closing song of service in one of the churches I played in, mm. um, an English version of that. But also the there's an Israeli song, which is the one that I played on the album that i'd known since growing up since um my dad was a fan of of israeli music and different kinds of jewish music from from all over the world um so yeah the idea is basically through music um that we could find brotherhood and sisterhood you know and uh, unity so that's why that was like the centerpiece of that album Mm -hmm. um like literally i think it's in the center if i if i'm not it's yeah it's just after midway
0: if i remember correctly yeah I was part of a conversation recently, as a friend and a contributor to our radio station. And we were talking about the uh, kind of the surge of uh, creativity or art, uh, particularly emanating from the States due to recent events over the last, say, five, six years, uh, with as primarily resulting as to uh, to Donald Trump's appointment as uh, president and and kind of America being in that that place where it's sort of struggling to kind of find its identity. I don't know if that's the right way of saying it, but, um, but it it being in that place and kind of the surge of creativity, as I say, that sort of resulted in that. And you, I think your music was something I referenced, um, Sort of in that conversation as well, and there's been a lot. There's a lot from Brooklyn. I think there's a, a small label there called Dala Records who have put music out. One of them was called Bad Man, which is, I guess, self-explanatory. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there is there is quite a lot coming from America at the moment. Isn't yeah,
1: it? I feel I feel really grateful to be part of this community, and especially because my my other job is studio owner because I own the recording studio and I work with a lot of different mm-hmm. artists in many different genres of music, not just jazz. And I've noticed even the last three or four years, uh, there was a big change because it used to be people were coming through mostly to record romantic songs or love songs. That was like the primary stuff I was working on. And then, yeah, there was this switch where people really wanted to address social issues. Um, um, I guess, you know, um, Maybe when Michael Brown was killed in Ferguson, that really galvanized a lot of stuff for people. But it's been it's been growing. I mean, there's just like one thing after another after another. Um, Even when Trayvon Martin was killed, I think that was the beginning where people were like, "Let's, you know, this is really important." And I feel also lucky that it's such a diverse community here because there really are people from everywhere in the world. Um, that I get to work with you know I get to work with Buddhist Hindu um, Jewish people Christian people uh, Muslim people people with no religion um, and then also age like I'm working with people anywhere from 18 or 19 years old to people in their 60s and it's I feel lucky that I get to hear some different viewpoints but that people are really approaching things ethically and trying to to make really like make that their community and the whole world society a better place So it's a difficult time, but I guess inspiring at the same point. It is. I mean, you know, I don't know how much we can really change through music, but I feel like music has the potential to be an important part of people's daily life, and it reaches them in an emotional way, whereas a lot of other kinds of communication can be a little more intellectual. Um, I think music has, has the possibility of of really reaching people in an emotional way and so i i
0: guess that yeah another reason why cross currents is so fantastic and that it, it achieves its goal i think in that respect and to help you achieve that goal you worked with a couple of fantastic well excuse me a team of fantastic musicians but yeah. i think the notable inclusions were uh, nate smith uh, on drums and marcus strickland on sax which is which are new additions for for your team is that correct
1: yeah, I wanted to kind of step out my outside of my comfort zone because normally I work with, you know, I have my my crew, my team, who I always work on projects with, both my own stuff and and other people who I'm producing, um, and I usually tour with them. But I, yeah, I wanted to try something different. And Nate Nate Smith had played a couple of gigs with me over the years um, as a drummer, and Marcus, I think maybe we had played together on a few things, but we'd never really done something in the recording studio together. So it was, I took a chance and I, I just wanted to see what would happen because they both have really distinctive voices on their instruments and as composers and as producers. So I knew it would become, you know, something that was different from my normal thing. And, and, it was really just a, a chance to step outside the comfort zone, like I said.
0: Yeah, uh, it's and it, well, it sounded fantastic. I'm I'm a particular fan of uh, Nate Smith. I thought his uh, Kinfolk album from I think about two years ago uh, on Roadwork is was excellent, and he has such a great resume. Yeah. So to include this the project on that on that resume for him is is I think very exciting for me as a fan as well. So totally, so yeah, he, he's awesome.
1: Yeah, I loved um, his but, album, and I loved Marcus's um, Twilight yes. album that had come out around the same time. Yes. And so Another awesome um, project,
2: isn't
1: it? Yeah. I just was I I just was really interested to see what would happen. And this is kind of unusual for me because I went into the project not knowing what these songs would sound like. Like mm. um usually I've workshopped the material and performed it in various contexts and really tried to um you know, tried it out before an audience. This project really was born in the studio and so it was kind of new for me also in that way. And, and you had
0: another uh, um, artist that you've worked with, not new, uh, someone you've worked with for quite a long time, just Sarah Elizabeth Charles, who's fantastic. And, I mean, going back to Daydreamer, I mean, your cover of uh, Minnie Ripperton's Loving You, I mean, that ranks as just one of my favorite covers ever. I love wow. playing that for people, like, or just on, on radio or anything to play that and just to, you know, people hear that and that you it gets such a great reaction. It's thank so, you i applaud you you know for me to be able to to tell you that is is, is exciting in itself wow. so um i mean so what's it like working with with sarah
1: well i love i love working with sarah and we're actually involved in a bunch of different projects right now um because she has everything she does is really really intent it, she has an intention behind everything you know mm. everything is deliberate and i love the fact that there's nothing that happens by chance, and she's very distinctive voice, you know, like her physical voice, but also just her vision for what her sound is gonna be like um I really, really like that, and I just value her as a friend and she's close with my family and I, I really yeah I really like um I feel lucky that I get to work with her. She's also a part of the band Ajoyo that I'm producing um with my friend Yasin, who I was telling you about, yeah, she and I also worked on this play together that um this sort of unusual multinational uh, collaboratively live streamed theater piece called um, Babylon Beyond Borders that was put together actually in London by a, a director at the Bush Theater. So we were part of that in February and we sort of created a bunch of music for this play that was being st- performed and live streamed in Sao Paulo and Johannesburg and London and New York. Um, and so Sarah and I are now in the process of recording the soundtrack for that play or like the companion album of that so that's exciting and then she's also recording her own projects that I'm going to be working on as well so there's there's a lot of different things going on
0: that's incredible so is theater work is that the first time you've you had done anything in in theater
1: um kind of you know when I was in high school I was on the tech crew and like I worked on a bunch of like plays and musicals in that setting but i've never written music for a play before that was it was cool it was mostly sarah's ideas and then i helped flesh out the ideas but we came up with some really cool music and it fit this story and and the story also fits our larger you know like my larger um story about uh it was sort of a story about Again, about migration and about communication and towers and Tower of Babel and languages and and barriers between cultures and stuff. So it was interesting to explore some of those ideas, but in this much larger context. That sounds incredible. I didn't know anything about that. that's, uh, that's, that's fascinating. I really yeah, I'll send. I finished. will send you a link. I think the oh. Bush Theater actually has it on their YouTube page. The final performance we did it. I think we did six of them, and so they they were like. I think the final one, they broadcast live from their YouTube. And so you can go see it oh, there. Wow. Oh, I yeah. would
0: love to. Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah I'll, uh, well, I'll certainly look it up at least. So that's that's really exciting. Yeah, it was really that. crazy to have.
1: There was like, you know, choreographers and dancers and set designers and all these actors and all these different countries and uh, trying to coordinate all that was its own. <laughs> it, it sort of was its own Tower of Babel within Skype <laughs> and WhatsApp and iMessage and all these other, oh, they had God. to get these sort of, different kinds of live stream software all working together yeah we pulled it off it It was interesting yes well
0: (laughs) well done gosh i I worry about just arranging these one-to-ones let alone
1: (laughs) yeah well we were we had to stream we were streaming live video from my recording studio to london where then they had to turn it around and then live stream it out to the other cities um all in real time so yeah it was it was a little mess i think and actually ironically or not ironically but. The whole production was really rushed because um it was delayed because i think they were going to do some kind of collaborative session in london like six months before and i think somebody's visa got denied and so there was a whole Um, bunch of yeah like real world problems getting intruding on this creative (laughs) situation so um yeah it just made it more important to actually get the message out Oh, that's, well, congratulations! That
0: sounds really exciting. I look Thanks. Forward to so yeah, that.
1: look for that. Hopefully, I think next year we'll be releasing music. It'll be called Babylon or maybe Babylon Beyond Borders. Brilliant. Yeah, yes, yeah, so I will do. Brilliant. So I was just going to say, so on this EP, she came through after the fact and at, she helped me brainstorm and add a lot of really cool um, things to the to I think three out of four of the tracks.
0: So yeah, she doesn't. There it's not a lot of say words that she that she sings. It's like a, a wordless. Uh, performance is for many of those songs, isn't it? Yeah.
1: I just wanted to use that sound as like another instrument and vocals can be very melodic, but they can also be very rhythmic too. So Mm. um, it was interesting.
0: Yeah. It, well, hugely effective. Um, Is there anyone that you've yet to work with? I mean, your list of collaborators is actually incredible. And I imagine it's, like you said, you know, I I didn't know that, say you had performed with like Nate Smith and Marcus Strickland. So I imagine there's a an extensive list of people you have performed with but is there anyone you've yet to either record or perform with that you would you'd love to spend that sort of creative time with
1: oh definitely I mean I'm a big fan of of so many um musicians and I, it's you know I would I would love to have everyone on every project but it's um you know it's like there's a there's a point where it kind of like gets a little top heavy when you involve too many people. But right. I'm actually, I'm very thankful I'm going to be recording in the studio in a few weeks with Gregoire Murray, who I've always wanted to um, oh, wow. play with. He's done a couple of features on live shows that I've done, but right. we never got to record together. So that's really cool. I wrote a song actually with him in mind. So he'll be recording on that um, on the next album um i'd love to work with lots of people becca stevens Laura fula jacob collier like um let me think of some yeah, other you've been a fan of Laura Mfula for quite a long time i think chris bowers i think put something on twitter like so many years ago like oh my god you got to check her out i think before her album even came out i think he saw her live somewhere and i trust chris bowers you know like anyone he recommends is going to be on point <laughs> Um, I remember seeing her show, and when she came to New York the first time, and it was just like the whole room was just on edge. It was an amazing feeling of community, just being able to witness that. Um, wow! That was it. Straight live. Um, yeah. The,
0: the live video you saw. Was it any chance? Was it Green Gardens of her, her singing that?
1: Oh well, the first time I saw that video, I was like blown away. But I, I actually went to see her live before listening to the album because I wanted to experience, um, right? You know what the thing would be live, and I definitely remember just feeling lift, uplifted by her music and by the community um and sh- it's so uh it's so distinctive how she's combined like um like church music and punk rock and jazz and all these mm. kind of new new classical things and, and african music and it's it's really unique yeah
0: i um i think it was it's funny because i had a similar experience but when i heard her for the first time it was on a uk uh talk show called Graham norton and I, I oh, hadn't well, heard of her or anything, and she was the musical guest, and they played Green Gardens, and I I remember just open mouth, staring, thinking, "What is that? Who is that?" And uh, yeah, it was a magical, uh, it's a magical song. It's a, it's a wonderful song. I think she'd make a a brilliant collaboration collaborator, collaborator uh, with you, as as Rebecca Stevens, who you mentioned as well. I, that's another perfect fit, I think, for you for yourself.
1: Becca has actually been recording her new album in my studio because her producer is one of my partners. Oh, so they've been working. I come in during the day, they come in at night and I think they're actually in the mixing process right now. So her oh, new album's going to be crazy. Um, yeah. Really excited to hear the whole thing. So
0: you didn't interrupt any sessions and say, Oh, I'm sorry. I left my keys. Oh, uh-huh. Jesse Fisher.
1: <laughs> yeah. They, they invited to me play to come by a little bit. Yeah. I didn't get to play, but I got to watch a little bit and, um, it's just, yeah, really cool music. And Brooklyn has such a cool community of folks that, um, you know, because it's such a hustle and it's so hard to survive in New York, I think everyone's forced to do a lot of different things. And so, you, you know, you end up meeting people outside your niche. I mean, mm. I, I met a lot of people in jazz and pop and soul and classical music and all kinds of different things, bluegrass and folk. And, and it's it's really cool that everybody's so supportive here for the most part, everyone I've met has been really supportive and and interested in different kinds of music.
0: Is it, uh, is it kind of, if if you're taking on that sort of engineering role for different types of music, is that an easy thing to adapt to, or is it a case of, well, this might be how, how, you know, in terms of the differences between genres and styles of music, is it, find it easy to adapt to it?
1: Yeah, it's actually great for me because I have a lot of difficulty, um, (laughs) you know, um, narrowing down my focus let's put it that way and i have a a huge amount of diverse interests and i always have since i was a kid um and so even just to narrow down to to only doing music which is basically what i'm doing now is is kind of like i'm sacrificing a lot of other things that i'm interested in but um as a recording artist you know you can only sort of stray so far from your sort of little niche but as an engineer and a producer it allows me to do so many other things that I don't normally do as, as an artist. So it's, it's really cool for me. I love working with artists. I love helping them. It's a little bit like therapy. I I help them figure out who they are and what the message that they're trying to convey is. And then I figure out what the best way to convey that message is. And um, yes, no, I love it. It's really cool. I need that in my life. It must be such a,
0: an incredible point that you've reached where you wake up and you can, you know, you're like, well, what what part? You know, in terms of you clearly, there's an undeniable passion for music, but you get to immerse yourself in it in so many different ways of you yourself as an artist, as a session musician, as a touring artist, as a producer, as an engineer, and a facilitator to other music, other people's music. That's you've you've you're, you're living the dream. You've made it,
1: right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's. I never feel comfortable. I'm always worried. You know, what's the next What's the next project going to be? But I do feel very, very lucky that I'm I'm able to work with um, all these different musicians and artists of such a high caliber and everyone's got their own personality and their own way of doing things. And it's so it is really, really cool um, that I get to be in this environment. And I'm especially lucky that um, unlike a lot of musicians, I have this home base at the studio, so I don't have to uh, rely on touring because you know as i have a family now and so it's not it's actually good it's great that i get to be at home for most of the time and i still get to do a little bit of touring when i when i want to but i don't have to rely on constantly traveling for you know to make a living
0: do you miss touring though apart from the the traveling aspect of it but that obviously being in front of a live crowd and with a band and and stuff like that do you get to do that locally as much or
1: um I do. I miss it a, a little bit, but I get to do some touring. In fact, this week I'm going to be out uh, with a fantastic artist, very unique, named Grace Kelly, who's a vocalist and saxophonist and a dancer. Um, but I, I think I'm getting the right ratio. There's something that's really, really important about being able to perform in front of an audience and being able to be in the moment and create, be, being creative in the moment. Um, but I also really like being able to create um in the studio and it's sort of a different it's I like to think of it as the difference between a performing art and a fine art like being in the studio can be a little bit more like a fine art like painting where you can work on something over the course of weeks or months and and keep trying different things and adding different layers and taking things away um so that process I really like as well I think the two processes uh inform each other for sure when I'm in the studio I'm always imagining what the song is going to feel like in front of a live crowd um, but also when I'm on stage, I'm imagining what I would do in the studio and trying to approach it that way. In, a, in other words, um, all the experience I've gotten as a producer has helped me be a better keyboard player and a better accompanist because it takes a while to get mature enough to the point where, you're not playing to be the best keyboard. You're not trying to create the best keyboard part. You're trying to create the best song and the best experience. Right. And so maybe that means doing something simpler or doing less. Um, so that's something I think every musician kind of goes through at some point and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still going through
0: it. So going back to your, your flipped series. Um, yeah. How do you, what's the, the kind of the process for picking a song to cover? Is it, I mean do you steer clear of songs that for example that you you, you would you would just love and you think there's no way I, I can I can touch that or do you, how, what is the process when you kind of make the decision to tackle a song to cover Okay
1: so so this is the thing it's actually not it's not that the a song it's not that I would love a song so much that I can't cover it um there's some songs that I love the arrangement or the production so much that I wouldn't want to rearrange them Uh, Like I've actually, I grew up listening to the Beatles and the Beatles have been a huge influence on why I became a musician and especially why I became an engineer, but I've never covered one of their songs because I feel like the production and the arrangement are so perfect on those that it would be tricky to come up with something that's as compelling. Um, Some of the other songs I've covered are like perfect songs. Like the songwriting is perfect and the composition and the lyrics might be perfect, um, but that somehow the production leaves an avenue to do something different with um you know like stevie wonder is one of the all-time greatest songwriters you know from our from our era i think um and every one of his songs i feel like i've covered more of his songs than anyone else Mm -hmm. every one of his songs leaves open so many different possibilities for arrangement and interpretation and stuff so um so yeah no i don't think. I don't think that there's a song that I would love it too much and to cover it. I think if I love the song, then that just means I really want to play it and I want to find a unique way of doing something with it, you know.
2: Mm.
0: And you mentioned Stevie Wonder. So that takes us to Flipped One and your yeah. brilliant <laughs> version of uh, I Can't Help It and um, wow. the, the track with Melanie Charles as well. But the, the I Can't Help It with Mavis uh, Swanpool is, is, a, is a wonderful uh, reimagining
1: of that that track thanks wow you really really did your homework i'm a fan
0: <laughs> you'll Thank see you. my name on your uh the, the, the kickstarter for daydreamer as well um as, oh yeah absolutely i remember seeing, so, yeah
1: mm, i've seen your name wow. a lot but we've never gotten a chat so this is really great no
0: yeah absolutely yeah it's the first time we have actually spoken i think we had an email interview some years ago like 2013 maybe as far back as that uh oh, wow. as well i think it was retro future yeah. had come out and um And yeah, I managed to secure time with you for an email exchange as well. So that was very exciting. And I think in there, you mentioned being a fan of the Beatles as well. And I think Herbie Hancock obviously ranks highly amongst your major influences as well, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I grew up like trying to play piano like him, but also um, was really influential in the sense that he didn't feel constrained to stay in one style of music or even really like wear one hat, you know, he, he was happy to check out all the different kinds of technology that was happening, you know, as it happened, like through the Mm. late sixties and early seventies. And he was very interested in pop music and jazz and scoring for film and doing all these different things. So I feel like that's a that's a big inspiration. or It's given me a license to kind of feel like I can do what I want to do in all these different worlds simultaneously.
0: Yeah, you don't need to restrict yourself to one thing, absolutely,
1: yeah. Yeah, have absolutely. you read his book?
0: I haven't, no. Oh, yeah, it's, it? it's a
1: really great read, yeah. Super inspiring and just like, it's called Possibilities, I think, and it's just literally that. It's just like, it feels like it opens up possibilities for you. You could be a musician or you could really do anything in life but feeling that you're not constrained by sort of expectations of other people
0: I will I will add that to the list Nile Rogers was currently on the list as well oh yeah <laughs> so, I've read his book so well. his book is really inspiring you, is it
1: well. good yeah super good uh you should, yeah, read yeah. Quincy. you should read Quincy's autobiography as well
0: yeah yeah I'm I, I have a. a, a, a I can't oh, remember if it's I've just sort of started it I don't remember if it's if it was an autobiography, it was probably written with another uh, uh, gentleman, but it's one on James Brown. And um, it, I've actually oh, had well, it for quite a long time. Um, I'll, I'll send you the name of it. It's a, it's very, very detailed. It's an it's, uh, incredible amount of detail. And there's so much about his life I had no idea. Um, obviously, like being nine years old and being raised in a brothel. And oh, wow. actually, he would have to secure, he, he would go out and get soldiers uh, that were in the area, and he would bring them to the brothel. He was like, he was on sales duty at like nine or something, crazy. which is yeah. it's insane, isn't it? When it's a completely different life.
1: Yeah, but, um, um I think I saw some of that dramatized in what was that? It was some film that was like sort of quasi biographical. I think it was, was that the Channel Roseman one. I think it might have been, but yeah, definitely. You know, everybody's everybody's very you know, your life is shaped by what happens as a child. And, yeah. and I think as a musician, you know, you just have to find how, you know, you have to find yourself through the music and how that comes out. And some people, um, I guess everyone just has such a different personality. And it's it's really cool being able to figure out what happens when you get different people in a room that are coming from so, such different places and, and figure out how that energy connects.
0: And I, it's also kind of interesting when you take this kind of, uh approach to music how you had someone like to compare them someone like james brown who i never would have considered was as regimental as he was he was very very thorough he was very um he was overly tough on his band members that's why a lot of them would leave at times
2: yeah And sure
0: on their own i mean there was this i don't think i've got to this in the book i'd read it before but he would People messed up during a song during a live recording. He'd go up and he'd make a hand gesture that the crowd would think, "Oh, that's funny." He's interacting with him, but that was his hand gesture to say that I'm finding you x amount because of the errors you're making. It's crazy. I know, but and that's the thing. You him of all people. I think it's that nature of it was fun music and the, the fact that it was so regimentally created is really surprising.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it can be, I mean, I think it's like when you get to this level of music, you have to you have to have a lot of precision to get to that feeling of freedom. You know, I don't think they're, they're not like opposites exactly. People always say, oh, in jazz you can improvise so you can play whatever you want, but it, it doesn't actually make things easier. It, it makes things harder and you have to actually be more precise about what you want to yeah. play and how you want to do it. Um, and yeah, there's you know, there's people like Vijay Iyer who I've you know listened to a lot and and sometimes he gets criticisms of like, oh, it's too complex or it's too regimented or it's too like cerebral. And it's his kind of point of view, I think, is that you actually can find freedom in that like you have to create a structure to find freedom. If it's completely unstructured, you don't really have any you can't get to that place emotionally. It's I guess it's almost like when you're meditating, you have a mantra, you have to keep repeating it. So it's like to get to that feeling that you need to get to. So, um, yeah. yeah, I'm not really as much of a, <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> my band leading is not quite as strict. I think, you know, I, I don't have the, I don't have the credibility. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the credibility to back it up, you know, but. Oh, um, I disagree. I think it's, you do it's hard to, <laughs> no nah, everyone. It's a different, honestly, it's a different financial wor- world that we live in now and um i don't think it you know just in general bands are not as precise as they used to be and it's also because of technology because everyone's so used to not really needing to be precise because the computer can fix everything because you you know you can do unlimited number of takes on things in the studio you can fix anything you want to fix um i'm sure with james brown they probably only had enough time to record two three takes of each song probably one take mm. of each song. So it had to be right the first time. And you had mm. 20 guys in the room playing at the same time. Whereas mm. now you have one person that can just overdub and fix things basically unlimited amount of time. It's where a different world. Stand, it is
0: absolutely. Where do you, where do you stand say when it comes to a recording of your own, would you go to those lengths to sort of enforce perfection or are you, uh, uh, do you sit on the fence or sit on the side of uh, the, the errors, are, the human touches basically. And that's what makes yeah. it more individual.
1: I mean, I'm, I try not to be too um, dogmatic about it. Like, it really depends on what the song is. So mm-hmm. I try to look, like, I try to take a holistic view to the song. So if if the song is about something that's really intimate and organic, then I want it to feel that way. Um, if we're singing about something else, like, if we're singing about some something that's, like, alienation and modern life and um, feeling like, you know, we're, a piece of this machine then i want the song to feel that way and i'll i'll do whatever it takes technologically to get that feeling it's a it's a balancing act because like with flip two or with flipped right in the flip series i'm doing most of the instruments myself and a lot of stuff is programmed so like a lot of the drums i get to sit with the drum machine until i get the exact sound that i want and the exact pattern that i want every every single note is like composed you know um when i'm sitting with nate i basically give him a Or any drummer you know I give them a rough idea of what I want but I have to be open to them playing it the way that they would feel it and so yeah it's a trade-off like I can't get the exact sound that I want but then I get something else that's cooler that I never would have thought of so yeah you know I like I like working in both in both settings or mixing the settings sometimes you can get a little bit too much of yourself so it's like it's like I need I need someone else's input I'm like it sounds too much of me so that's you know, but there, there's also, there's times when I want that, so it just depends. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: I is that difference between? Well, I, I guess you're immersing yourself in collaboration. That's basically what your your most where's where you get the joy from, I guess, right?
1: Well, it's both. I think I need to have a variety because sometimes, I mean, I'm a pretty solitary person, so sometimes I really just like working on my own on something, like I was saying before, like adding layers subtracting trying different things and and i can really get into dialing in the exact thing that i want um but sometimes that gets a little sterile so yeah sometimes you need collaboration it's like anything in life you need some time alone and you need some time with with other people so it's finding the right balance for for you i think yeah yeah. Excellent.
0: So my, uh, my penultimate, will my final, my, yeah, my penultimate question because I have one small, tiny one to end on, <laughs> which is a gripe, but I'll get to that shortly, but okay. you're kind of, right, right. uh, it's, it's not a bad one, <laughs> but it's, okay. um, I guess with cross currents and well, I guess with a lot of your recent releases, I mean, you, you've put out music through some amazing labels from uh Rope dope to oblique sound to uh, true thoughts mm-hmm. in the UK. Um, is, is is the life of say an independent artist you talked about um, at the top of the conversation about you know when you put a project together you've got to get involved in the photography the you know every sort of aspect of it is this root the your your desired way of putting things together now or is this just where you are at the moment
1: um yeah I like to be involved in everything I mean I do everything I do the publicity I do the uh you know the online social media presence it's just that yeah, there, there's going to be a point where I have to start farming things out. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's like it's hard for me to um, trust other people with my vision, you know? Right. Yeah. Because I'm very like very very specific with the things that I want. Everything, like visually to the sound to the way it's marketed. So, i found that yeah, it's been it's been great to have the opportunity to collaborate with some of those labels that you mentioned. But I think that the landscape is changing now. And so with this Cross Currents, I released that independently. I'm planning to release the next album independently as well. Um, I think we're at a point where we can pay for some of the things that labels used to do. Um, but we could pay for them a la carte. And it actually makes more sense for like the label to be me and then just to hire out for publicity or to hire out for radio promo. Um, and so that it actually is still under the umbrella of me, um, hmm. and I think I think that makes the most sense for me at least moving forward. But yeah, you're right. It's like I have to give up control at some point um, on some things, and that goes back to also like we were saying about musicians. Like I'm giving up control when I'm letting Sarah do her thing on it, or when I'm letting um, you know Marcus Strickland interpret the melody in his way. So it's a thing that you know you you have to give up some amount of control in order to get even more beautiful project or to get something that you wouldn't have thought of before yeah
0: and it's also I mean I suppose a lot of labels now almost would still expect you to do everything you're doing you know I, I think that era of just leave all of the promotion <laughs> all of that just leave yeah. it to us that doesn't really almost exist anymore does it I think you would still have to get out there and promote it in yourself anyway wouldn't you
1: I yeah my I mean I've never been on a big major label I think it's a little bit different cuz they still have some infrastructure that's left over from mm-hmm. before and they have a lot of money coming in from legacy acts and stuff so you can get carried along but for me I'm a pretty small artist like being on a small label actually doesn't really benefit me I think it it benefits the label more than than me so it's right. it's hard to find the real it's hard to find the right relationship where both parties are going to actually benefit. Like that symbiosis is, it's kind of hard to find that in today's world and everything is changing so fast. Um, you know, six months from now, there might be some new feature on Spotify that we weren't aware of. And <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, and that could, I might literally change a lot of things. So it's really tricky, but I'm, I'm sort of just trying to put a bunch of different irons in the fire. I also am a songwriter. So I write, you know, I wrote songs with people and I tried to get songs placed with different artists. So that's a thing that that's another sort of part of my musical world. It would be great to have, um, you know, the, the resources of a publishing company uh, to help with that. So that's another mm-hmm. thing that eventually hopefully I'll, I'll be able to get to as a songwriter. But in terms of my own albums, I think at this point, I kind of have learned the process that I like to do in terms of how to release them and how to produce them. And I think you're right that labels are not really getting involved that much. Like, I think it seems like labels kind of want the thing already to be finished yeah. and to <laughs> them. So it's a little bit like if you're not going to give, if you're not going to give me a budget to, pr- to make the record, and you're not going to be give me a budget to tour the record. Um, I'm not quite sure where, you know, what's in it yeah. for me at this point, you know, obviously yeah, it- the, you know there different labels have different things to offer and some have some in-house publicity, which is great, you know. Um, some have in-house um, contacts with touring, which can help. It also helps like um a lot of my fan base is in Europe and Asia. So it helps to have people on the ground in those places for sure. Um, mm-hmm. because you know, I'm in New York, so there's only so much I could do over email. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm open to different possibilities. So we'll see how it goes for the next for the full length album.
0: Yeah, well, you seem to have the, the trick na- mapped out as it is, I, you know, you see, I think you've stumbled onto a great um, um, uh, strategy, I think, in its own way, you have your, 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 your fan base, you have your way to contact them, Bandcamp is fantastic uh, at facilitating things for independent artists as well, isn't it? So- yeah, Bandcamp
1: is amazing. I love Bandcamp. Yeah. That, that's a big, yeah. I mean, Bandcamp is amazing, but it's a small part of my listenership so Mm -hmm. there's a much bigger listenership that's on spotify that i feel like is less engaged listenership you know but it's still um that's also important to target those people um, make sure they're getting the new music etc etc and following and help them get you know progress to the more involved side of things right um but yeah definitely next year i'll be doing some touring in europe so that'll help establish myself in person um you know to help mm-hmm. connect with those fans that maybe only react to me or interact with me online. Yes,
0: that would be cool. Hopefully you'll be uh London bound at some point as well. That would yeah, be excellent.
1: Definitely. I was actually in London to play with a joyo that the other the collective project I'm in. When was it? I think in April. So I oh, wow. think <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Oh no. I guess I didn't publicize enough cuz you didn't know. So I was playing at, <laughs> at Ronnie Scott's um oh, two wow. nights at ronnie scott's yeah but we're definitely going to come back uh probably with that group and also hopefully with my own group uh, next year
0: that would be excellent i, look, I very yeah. much look forward to that i'll keep my eyes yeah i'll make sure that you find out and that's yeah thank funny. you to thank all you. your
1: listeners on blue, blue green radio hopefully to see you. You, uh, you guys there as
0: well that's a that's very cool thank you very much yeah shout um, out to london
1: london's always been like my other my other home for music because I've always gotten lots of love from London every time um, I'm there in person or just, uh, you know, via radio, internet radio and podcasts and playlists and stuff. I always feel at home in London. Just a different energy from New York. People are really appreciative of the music and feel like they're open to different kinds of things, which is really cool. And it's great to see so many British artists getting play throughout the world. Now there's like this thing I know that like through, um, Well, really, it's just been, it's, I know that those artists have been there and I've been a big fan of different, um, like Mm. English, British um, jazz artists, but now there's like this worldwide thing where everyone wants to listen to it, which is really cool.
0: There is, there's a huge list of names from, from London that have, have just sort of broken through and it's, it's, it's really exciting because it wasn't anything that they, they didn't compromise anything. It was just, jazz was sort of a dirty word, I think in the UK for a long time. And then these just incredibly young gifted incredibly talented musicians just stop, you know play jazz and then yeah it broke through in some it just i have no idea how or why it happened but it's it's amazing and it's really exciting to see to see so totally. many of them do amazing things
1: yeah i remember i played a set with um you know jazz refreshed do you know that yes of course yeah, yeah yeah so jazz yeah, Refreshed absolutely. had a thurs- i don't know if they still do it but a thursday night event and yeah. i happened to be in in london for something else and i i I was able to sit in and do a set with them and that was super cool to see that audience because it was just like really supportive i think in new york people are so jaded because new york is like you can see amazing music every night of the week (laughs) and people have a tendency to be like okay that was cool you know but not like supportive supportive in that same it's just different it's different i I love new york and i love being here especially in brooklyn for the community Mm -hmm. but um yeah it was super fun to play for that for that audience oh excellent so before
0: we get to uh your closing song i have one uh one tiny gripe for you sir <laughs> <laughs> and it's is, it is the it is the the awesome remixes on your soundcloud page now i don't know if i've missed something but where can i get them you've got some remixes oh, yeah. for haitas coyote gregory porter takuya kuroda emily
1: king I and know, none of
0: them I are know. available what is going on <laughs>
1: Well, first of all, shh, shh, we're not supposed to say it, but um, yeah, because those I have to license. I actually, that's a, another thing I'm going to release hopefully soon, but I have to get those licensed and I just haven't done the legwork. Um, oh, I would I have see. to talk to their labels and, and, because some of them were kind of like, I mean, SoundCloud used to be a bigger part of my like online life. And I guess, right. you know, because I think a lot of things shifted say since 2015 where Spotify has taken over a lot of like music discovery, where SoundCloud used to have that role. Um, so yeah, a lot of stuff, I would just put it on SoundCloud, and it wasn't necessarily like an official release. Um, I only started, actually, last year was the first time I had a remix be officially released, and it was through True Thoughts for this really amazing um, like sort of indie rock soul band called Space Captain, so I have a right. remix right now through them, and that's on my Spotify. It's on the band Spotify. I think you can buy it on iTunes, or you know wherever you buy stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, um, I have actually another remix coming out hopefully soon. I I don't have a release date yet, so I'm not going to say who it is. But it's going to be really really cool when it comes out, really? and that'll be an official release. But yeah, I I would love to release those those um, the ones that are on my SoundCloud. Uh, i don't, don't quite know <laughs> i have you know it's like i have to talk to a lot of major labels because i think I know. it's like sony and universal and, um blue note for takuya he was on blue note at the time he was at the time so, yeah for his
0: rising sun album yeah
1: so um, yeah i mean uh, it's just me figuring out if if they'd be willing to do it and if so you know how much like, what the what the financial details yeah. would mean you know like how it would work so i know there's a I know this isn't a band for it. I know people would listen and would buy and would stream. So I would like to get it out there. Hopefully I'll do like an actual remix album where I can just drop it all as one oh, unit. That would be excellent. Uh, maybe, yeah. Maybe next week. So excellent. keep stay tuned. I
0: will. <laughs> Well, they're they're awesome. So again, congratulations to uh for Thank those you. as well. Um, and so I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Um uh, you I I'm so thrilled that we we connect I'm thrilled to have spent this much time with you I really appreciate it. And, well I really uh, as...
1: appreciate you thank you it means That's a lot fine. that someone's out there checking out what I'm doing and that you know you hopefully it's making a difference.
0: Yes absolutely man it really really is. Um so we 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 talked about a closing song um uh, so anything at all this is a song that you just love or something from your own catalog that you wanted to uh, end with um did you manage to pick something out?
1: Ah, uh, yeah so I was thinking about that. So there is a record from trumpeter eddie henderson and i think it's 1970 wait i don't want to get this wrong hold on it's from the mid-70s right it's called sunburst and this when i was a kid i used to okay 75 right i used to go to the record store my friends and we were like this is in the 90s mind you um and we, we you know we weren't broke but like we didn't have a lot of money to buy records and we were really interested and um so the at the time the the Princeton record exchange where i grew up in Princeton New Jersey just had so much cheap vinyl and i mean like literally like a dollar, 2 dollars, 3 dollars for all this music cuz people were all the Our parents generation was selling all their records to buy cds like no one wanted records anymore right so vinyl was so cheap so that's the reason that vinyl became this hip thing because it was like literally just cheap and that was all we could afford so i would go and buy like 15 or 20 records at a time and this was before wikipedia before discogs before i didn't you know i didn't i couldn't really look anything up so i was literally just buying anything i could find that looked cool or that was on a cool label and just going by liner notes and so I found this record, Eddie Henderson's Sunburst, and I didn't even know who he was, but the album looked like the cover looked really cool and I could tell it was the right era from Blue Note. And it became one of my favorite records and super influential in my writing and you know production style. So I would say any song off that record, but why not just start with the first song? and it's called Explodition. And I actually, I still have the record up on display in my my studio right now with the price sticker on it says like 299 oh, $2. So $2. Cool. or something <laughs> it's crazy because <laughs> so cool. if, if you go to record stores now it's like they want to charge 40 dollars for a record i don't you know yeah. i don't know what it's like in london right but it's it's gotta it's, be it's, yeah it's a, it's an expensive
0: hobby to have
1: <laughs> it's like a luxury right but when i was growing yeah. up it was more just like instead of paying 18 dollars for a cd like i could just buy this record and five other records
0: yeah Times have changed, haven't they? Yeah. So it is totally it is a shame. But
1: this is just a, this is a great mid 70s kind of jazz funk fusion kind of thing. And the album is so cool because there's he has a acoustic like there's some songs that have Billy Hart and Buster Williams on, I think, like sort of upright bass and more of a jazz drummer. And then some songs have Harvey Mason and uh, yeah. a few different electric bass players. And there's some songs that have both. And it's just really cool mixture of just jazz, funk, and like electronics and stuff i'm not
0: too familiar with eddie henderson but i i do have a song called uh prance on which whenever right i, listen I knew to, that was a
1: hit in in london right
0: yeah it was it was apparently it was quite a big song but whenever i listen to that i think i'm just i'm nowhere near cool enough to listen to this song i really shouldn't listen to this song oh really it's so cool that would be my theme song if i could just walk down the street with that playing that would be me i love that record
1: i, I read but, something uh, funny about that record how i think that in, maybe it was like at DJ parties, I don't know, like warehouse parties, right? They used to play it, but they would play it at the wrong speed. So I think oh, no. it's like <laughs> they would play it at 45. So it actually sped up the tempo quite a bit and it became more of like a disco. I don't know. I have, oh, no. I have to look up. Yeah. And so that's kind of how it got popular. Something like that.
0: That's really like, interesting. I hope I haven't been listening to the wrong bay. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I got to, sh- I got to check it out. But Eddie Henderson,
1: <laughs> if you listen to, you know how Herbie had sort of a middle period before, like after he was doing acoustic stuff, but before Headhunters, he had this middle right. period called m one dc And it was very experimental and sort of right, right. A little bit acoustic and a little bit electronic. So Eddie Henderson hmm. was in that, was in that ensemble. Right. Um, okay. And so it was, so um i kind of i think that's how a lot of people in my generation know him is from hearing those records where it's almost like free jazz mixed with electronics and funk mm. um but yeah his records are really cool he did some fusion stuff he's still around i actually did a whole um i think right when um fane melter was what i was working on that project we did mm. a concert that was like a tribute to herbie hancock and i got Eddie Henderson to come and play trumpet. And that was such a cool experience to play one song from Mwandishi and one of his own songs with him that we arranged. It was, it was kind of super cool, but he's still around. He plays straight ahead gigs mostly now. Like he's, he's an amazingly gifted trumpet player, but he, he's not really into fusion stuff. So it's funny because I know him mostly as this fusion sort of electronics guy, but he prefers to play straight ahead now, I think.
0: Does he know that your two ninety nine version of his record is hanging in your studio? Uh, I,
1: I think I told him. Yeah, <laughs> Very I, I cool. didn't. We didn't. Yeah, I'm not like we didn't really get close. We were only able to do the one this one show together, which was super cool. But yeah, I think I told him definitely that it was a big influence. <laughs> he was. I think he didn't even really remember. He was like, "Oh yeah, Sunburst. Wait, when was that?" <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> oh, but it, wow. it just goes to show, like something that is really something that you could do may have a big impact on someone that you don't even really remember you yeah know?
0: that is incredible isn't it wow yeah well I mean, it's great yeah, but he was able very... to tell someone that though
1: yeah but he was he was super generous and it was and kind it was like it was really it was fun playing with him i think there's a couple of those things on my youtube actually a couple of the um the videos from that concert
0: oh excellent that's really exciting I should look that up as well yeah well brilliant
1: yep Excellent.
0: Well, thank you so much for nice. your time. Uh, I've really enjoyed thank it. You. Uh, this has been excellent. So, um, uh, yeah, have have a wonderful day, and thank you so much again. This has been so cool to, to be able to spend this time.
1: Okay, I really appreciate it. For, you know, thank you for for asking such cool questions, and thanks thank to everyone for listening. And as always, you can find me on the gram. My Instagram is Jesse Fisher Music. It's J E S S E F I S C H E R Music. Um, And you can find all my music on Spotify and Apple Music and Tidal as well. So thanks for listening.